We've been looking at um, some finance for a couple of weeks. This will be our fourth installment. If you remember, the first lesson had to do with just the budgeting process, and we lined it up with the Dave Ramsey um, um, baby step number one about uh, saving up $1,000. Uh, in order to do that, you needed to get a hand around your income. You needed to get your arms around your expenses, <clears throat> and you needed to be disciplined about the spending and uh, working things in a way that you did have some access where you could actually save $1,000. Uh, number two and three, we talked about obedience and how God blesses us in obedience. We did not preach the prosperity gospel, but at the same time, he does prosper and bless us when we do obey and follow him. The third installment was on stewardship. Remember, anything we have is not ours, it's really God's, and we are just uh, um, watching it for a little bit in his way he's ever blessed us to be. And then the fourth step, which will line up with Dave Ramsey's second baby step, is talking about the elimination of debt. So I'd like to talk about debt and what it is and what it is not. Uh, as so many things in our modern society is, um, our modern society has spun debt and it's something that was avoided like the plague by our, our forefathers, especially anyone that had been around in the uh, Great Depression in times before that. Matter of fact, we've even spun it in the names. So if you would look at debt, here's a few names that we used to call debt. We called it a liability. If you ever looked at a balance sheet of a corporation, they have assets and liabilities. Liabilities is debt. We called uh, debt of a corporation's debentures and bonds. And uh, th those all have negative connotations, and it's on purpose because debt does have a negative connotation. And we will see what those connotations are in just a second. And the last thing is, is the mortgage. The first four letters of mortgage is mort, which is death. Gage means bond, so a mortgage really is a death bond. Now, we don't tend to think of debt that way, but that's um, what uh, the Bible looks at it. That's what our forefathers did in our modern society where we watch a Visa commercial on television, and it says, you deserve it, go on that vacation now. Uh, it just makes me so angry for trying to force um, that kind of thinking on people. On the opposite hand of that, we've got words that we call debt now. We call it leverage and tax shelter and buying power. Do you notice the negative connotations have been flipped into a positive connotation? And that's what we want to avoid. We want to look at debt as something to, to avoid, not something to embrace or to, to do that. Now, I always want to make this caveat. Debt is not a sin. It is not a sin. It's something to be avoided, and there's times where we do have to buy, especially if you're starting out in life. You get, out of, you get out of school, you start a job, you get your initial tools, you might need to get a car, you need to get your home. Now, again, I want you to notice this too. Renting and mortgage is very similar. When you rent, what you're doing is you're renting the asset. When you buy a house, what you're doing is you're renting the money to buy the asset. So both of them are liabilities. You understand? So in a perfect world, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get to a place 
where we are not renting the asset and we are not renting the money to buy the asset, we own the asset out clear. And the reason why we do that is if we don't have rent and if we don't have mortgage and we've been disciplined and we can work away at that debt, what we do is we have the leverage or the possibility to say, no, I do not want to work on Sundays. Or no, I don't want to work that overtime. I've got a boy that's got a baseball game and I really want to see that because he's counting me to be there. But if you have debt and you have issues like that, Another extreme would be, let's pretend there's a, a young couple that gets a house and, and, and they get this, they're, they're house poor and they've got a mortgage and it takes both incomes and all of a sudden they do have a baby. <clears throat> now again, I'm not using this message as a place to just say whether she'd be home or not. All I'm saying is when you have a big mortgage, all of a sudden you no longer have that decision and she must work where the choice to stay home and take care of the child has been stripped from them of making that choice. So that's what debt does. It it ties us up. It limits our choices. It it limits the uh, the hours we work, whether we quit or not, whether we can downgrade, whether whether a a wife works or not, that kind of thing. So that's why I want to stress what debt is. It's not a sin. There are times where we have to uh, especially young people getting started off in life. I get that, but the goal should be working out of debt. Okay? So with that being said, uh, those are all opinions so far, but let's see what the Scripture says. I've got about a half a dozen verses I'd like to look at this, uh, this, this evening, and the first one is in Proverbs 22 and verse 7. So let's go there and read that verse. Proverbs 22 and verse 7. <clears throat> Now again, I will open this up for discussion in a few minutes here, but this is the part where we're we're recording here. So let me read this verse to you. The rich ruler over the poor, ruleth over the poor. The borrower is servant to the lender. And when you go to Deuteronomy, those are the two verses, Deuteronomy 28, 11 and 13, and Deuteronomy 15, 6. It does not matter if you're an individual. It doesn't matter if you are a corporation or if you're a small business. It doesn't matter if you are a government. What happens is, is when you have debt, you become a servant to the person you've lent to. Okay? All of a sudden, that person has ties. He has, uh, if, 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 if you have a car and you've borrowed on that car and you want to sell that car, you have to get the lender's permission before you sell it in a lot of cases, and then the proceeds and all that. So you are limited in your options, okay? So that's one of the things, is debt makes us servitude, okay? As a nation, we are not nearly in the strength and financial position we were, let's say, 50 years ago as we are today. Our country is hooked on debt. We became hooked on uh, debt to the... um, Japanese in the 80s, to the Middle Eastern company in the 90s, and to China now. Uh, we have been hooked on them, and, and if they decide not to stop buying our debt, we are in a pinch right now because we've become so accustomed to it. So when, when Scripture talks and says, what would you rather be, the head or the tail? The person that's the head is the one that's lending. The person that's the tail is the one that's doing the borrowing you are servant and you are subject to that. Okay? 
Let's uh, let's read the next one. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 7 and 21. 1 Corinthians 7 and 21. I'd like to read that verse. And here's the principle of debt. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it, but if thou mayest be free, use it rather. In other words, the Lord would have us be free as Christians. And any time you uh, make a financial commitment, whether it be uh, to borrow, all of a sudden you've lost your freedom. You've lost the freedom to decide whether you want to quit your job. You've lost the freedom to decide whether um, a wife can stay home or not. You've lost the freedom whether I want to turn down overtime. I've got a job that's stressing me out and that has health ramifications, and you've lost the ability to walk away from that kind of job and downgrade a job. So our goal as Christians is we want to be free in Christ, and when we make decisions that um, bind us up financially, we are in a position where all of a sudden that we lose a lot of those choices. And when you lose those choices, you become free. So what happens is, is when you get rid of debt, you become stress-free. You, you, you're not tempted to steal. You're not tempted to do the longer hours. And, uh, you know, maybe you're in a position where uh, you're selling a, a, a car and there's something wrong with the car, but you know you've got debt and you're trying to get out of the debt. And maybe it'll give you an inclination not to tell everything that's wrong with a car where if you don't have the debt and you're, you can sit back and lay back and take more time. So again, it can tempt you to do things that are um, not uh, above board. Okay? There's something interesting in the Old Testament. <clears throat> and and uh, I'm, I'm going to look at Josiah and Bethany right now because I want them to understand this, okay? Because they're the youngest one here. Did you know in the Old Testament... Let's pretend I'm your father, and let's put you're at my house, and I borrowed some money, and all of a sudden I defaulted on the debt, okay? And I, I couldn't make the payments, and I went bankrupt, and uh, they sold all the assets. I started a business, and maybe I started a pressure washer business, and, and I borrowed a bunch of money, and, and, and the pressure washer was worth so much, but it's not new anymore, so I sell it, and I still owe a bunch of money. Do you know what the creditors can do? They can take you guys. In the Old Testament, they could take you and make you servants until the debt was worked off. They could take my wife and my children. Matter of fact, there's a case that I'm going to be referring to this Sunday where that exactly that exact thing, thing, thing happened. So, so in the Old Testament, a man's word and paying it back is, was, was really, really important. And they, there, there was a thing called a debtor prison. And, and, and a lot of Jesus' parables were based on this system of when you owed money, you paid it back. But now in the society we live right now, there's easy chapter 7s, chapter 11s, and we can write debts off and erase it and start all over and get a new credit score, and, and we can go forward with that. Um, that's not God's way. And there's a, a case of... Um, um, I, I got to think there's, there, there was a primitive Baptist preacher that uh, very forthright man and he did start a business and, and, and he started the business and the business did not go well and he owed a lot of money 
and his attorney was actually encouraging him to file chapter 11 and just write the debt off. But the primitive Baptist preacher says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pay back every last cent because that's what God would have me to do. And the man actually did that, and he worked, and he worked, and he worked, and he finally paid it off because that was the honorable thing to do. So, again, that's what debt does. Now, again, I'm, 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 debt is not a sin, and debt is sometimes it's unavoidable. I get that. But at the same time, it should be gotten out of as soon as possible, and it's also something that uh, we need to use as sparingly as, as, as if we can. Okay? All right. Uh, let's go to Nehemiah 5, and this will be my last reference. I've referred to a couple, but this is the only ones we've been coding. I want to go to Nehemiah 5. I want to, I want to raise one more principle about debt. <clears throat> a lot of times people get the idea that debt and usury are wrong or they're evil. And they can be, but not always. So I want to read Nehemiah 5 and verse 1 through 5. Well, let me share you with the principle first, okay? <clears throat> Let's pretend I had a grocery store, okay? I owned a local grocery store, and I had some produce, and I had some bread, and I had some rice and beans, and maybe a little bit of poultry and eggs. And when someone came to me, um, the way I live is I buy wholesale and I sell it to retail. I mark it up a little bit and I would charge people, uh, I don't know, and maybe I mark it up 5%, 10%, whatever it is, enough to pay for the the, the electricity and, and, and buy food for my table and my home. And that's what we expect as a business, okay? What the Bible says is if I have this little grocery store and come when someone comes to me that's really, really poor, you know what the Bible requires me to do? Sell it to them at cost. Okay? Having a markup is wrong. Now, it doesn't say give it to them for free. If I can do that for free, praise the Lord. But at the very the most I could do is I would charge it to them cost because it's, char- it's wrong to make a gain on someone that's poor. You got that? Well, the same is true of usury. If someone that was poor came to me and wanted to borrow some money, I could lend it to them, but it would be wrong for me to charge them usury. So let's pretend there was two people in the church. Member A was really, really poor, and they came to me and they wanted to buy some food. I would charge them at cost, but let's suppose member B came to me, and they weren't poor, and they were doing okay, and they wanted to buy the food. I would charge them the regular price, and there'd be nothing wrong with that. Everybody follow me there? Okay. Let's suppose member A came to me and said, I'm really, really poor. I'd like to borrow $100. It would be wrong for me to charge them usury. But member B came to me and says, listen, I'm trying to expand my business. I want to borrow a little bit of money to do this. I'm going to charge you interest, and there'd be nothing wrong with that. Do you understand? So usury can be wrong, but it depends who it is and what it's for. Does that make sense? So I want you to go through Scripture. Whenever you see usury and you say, oh, usury is wrong. Well, it is usury is wrong when, you bar- when you're charging interest to a poor person. But if it's someone that's doing okay and you charge them, that's just fine. You got the difference? Sometimes we as 
Christians just just cherry pick verses, but we got to read all of it in whole. Okay, but let's go to Nehemiah. This is a case when it was incorrectly used. So I'm in Nehemiah five and verse one. If you, I love the book of Nehemiah. This is one of the biggest revivals recorded in Scripture. Nehemiah goes and he's starting to turn the country around. They're starting to rebuild the wall. Things are starting to happen and the wall is rebuilt and he goes away for a little while and when he comes back he sees this going on in the congregation. And there was a great cry of the people and of the wives against the brethren of the Jews. For there were they that said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many Therefore we take up corn for them that we may eat and live. Some also that were that said, We have mortgaged our lands and our vineyards and our houses that we might buy corn because of the dearth. There were also that said, We have borrowed money for the king's tribute that upon our lands and our vineyards, yet now our flesh is as the flesh of the brethren and our children as the children. And lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants, and some of our daughters are brought into bondage already. Neither is it in the power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and our vineyards. To foreclose on a poor person that is borrowing simply to eat. To foreclose on a poor person because they had to pay their taxes, that is wrong. You got it? That is wrong. That's what's going on here. So when we talk about interest, interest is not wrong. Do you remember what Jesus said to the uh, three traders? There was one that got five talents and he went out and traded and came back with ten. There's another that gave two talents and he went out and traded and came back with four. And there was one that came with one talent and he buried it. And what did Jesus say? The very least you could have done is what? gone to the money changers and charged usury. So usury is not evil. Got it? It is evil to a poor person. Okay? So there are times when we do have to borrow, and this is cases where people were in great straits. There was evidently a famine or a dearth in the land, and I got to feed my kids, so I borrowed some money to pay my kids. It would be wrong to do that. Okay? And that's what happened is the Jews were foreclosing on other Jews and getting land for bargain basement prices. And Nehemiah came back and he said, stop this right now. Don't you know what, Jesus, what, what God just did for you? Your land was taken away from you and he just gave you back your land and now you're stealing it from one another because of this situation. He said, that's wrong. Okay? So with that being said, I want to give a little practical advice about debt, and then we will go to a question and answer session. The first is, and this is um, uh, in in harmony with the the Dave Ramsey, if you are looking at your your budget, okay, let's let's pretend you have a budget here, and you've got your money, and and, and you've just gone up through baby step number one, and, and, and you've got your hand around your income, and you got your hand around your expenses, and you got to a place where your income is a little bit higher, and you've saved and saved and saved, and you got the $1,000. That's baby step number one, okay? And it doesn't matter if it took you a month to do it, or it took you a year to do it. You finally did it, and you got, and I'm, okay, I'm number one. Now I want to go to baby step number two, and what I want to start doing is chipping away at my debt, 
So instead of the money you took and you were throwing at the $1,000 savings, you take that exact same one and you throw it at one of your debts. And maybe you have a debt on a car or maybe it's on a cell phone or maybe it's on a visa bill or, or, or maybe it's on uh, a mortgage. It doesn't matter. You, you, you've got these, let's say you got all four of these debts. So what you do is you take a little bit of money, that money that you were saving, that where you're putting at the $1,000, you take it and you throw it at your visa bill. Okay? And you keep on throwing it at it, and you keep on throwing it at it, and you keep on throwing it at it. And I don't care if it takes a month, or I don't take care if it takes a year, but finally, guess what happens? You get it paid off. So then what you do is you take that same little bit, but that money that you used to make on the visa payment, you take that plus the little bit of savings and you go to loan number two and you start paying it off. And it doesn't matter if it takes a month or it takes 12 months or two years, you keep on chipping away, you keep on chipping away. And then finally, when you get rid of debt number two, you take the little bit of savings plus the payment from debt number one and the debt number two, and you start funneling at chapter three on the third loan. And you work away, and you chip, and you chip, and you chip. And suddenly, that's called a snowballing effect, where the payments start getting larger and larger, and all of a sudden, you're putting big chunks at that. And you know what's really cool? When that last one is paid, and a month comes along, and you get to keep the little bit of savings plus all four payments, you know what I say? Go out to dinner to the fanciest restaurant you can have because you get to keep that money from now on. And that's the process. So with that being done, I'll close this um, formal part. 